Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a show designed for aspiring current and former MBAs looking for advice on how you can grow your career through an MBA degree. During each episode, I'll talk to MBA students, graduates, and leaders about the MBA experience, navigating the workplace, and career development so you can learn how to develop and achieve your own version of career success through an MBA and beyond. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me Blessing Adesion, who is the CEO and founder of Mother Honestly. Blessing is also a Keenan Flagler, UNC Keenan Flagler MBA alum. And I'm excited to talk to her about her journey to business school and building Mother Honestly and her path to entrepreneurship. So Blessing, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. As I mentioned to you earlier, I had a number of classmates from business school who talked to me about your work, and I've really enjoyed observing from far what you're building. And before we give you a chance to get into that, I always love starting with a warm-up question. And so my warm-up question for you is, what is a, a book that you've read that has had a meaningful impact on your life? Oh, wow. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on this show. I have a podcast myself, so podcast is literally a fun thing for me to do. Latest book. Wow. I love reading Fair Play. I have read it over and over again, and it is a book written by my wonderful friend, Eve Rutsky. It's about achieving equal partnership on the home front, which is, believe it or not, until very recently we still have gender stereotypes at home. And so having to read that book for myself and share that with the world was extremely helpful to me. So yeah, Fair Play by Hivrodsky, pick it up. It's a great recommendation. It's actually a book that I recommend particularly to my friends and colleagues who are in partnerships where both, both individuals are working and and or if working and, and have kids. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really important book. So I'm glad you brought that to light. Okay, so... Let's start from the beginning. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What were you doing prior to going to get your MBA? And why did you decide to get an MBA as the next step in your at that point in your career journey? Okay, so when I, so, so first of all, my background is in chemical engineering. So I went to University of Florida. And afterwards, I started working for DuPont, the chemical company, and went ahead to work for BASF. While I was working for BASF, I had my son, who is my second child. I had my son, and at the same time, I had my admission to UNC. And I was, I'll was i never forget, I was trying to figure out if I should still go for the MBA, because at, at that time, I had two kids. I had a new job. I had just moved my family to Detroit from Houston. And I also had a very demanding career at the time. So I wasn't exactly sure what I was supposed to be doing, to be honest, at that, at that point in my life. But what led me to UNC or to get an MBA was that I had done a lot of wonderful things in my career. And I, I consider myself very lucky. My, you know, I did a lot of operational excellence work, business excellence, project management. I led various capital projects, hundreds of millions of dollars across Europe, Middle East, and Asia. So it was a very rewarding career, whether it was in manufacturing or it was in operation or it was in consulting. So I did a, a lot of different things. And so it was an opportunity to, you know, maybe do something different. I wanted to learn more about the commercial end of things. 
and I wanted to learn more about business. So I said, you know, I'll give I'll give an MBA a try. And that was how I found UNC. That is great. And I would love to know just when you were entering business school or in business school, did you at that point know that you wanted to pursue a path of entrepreneurship or what in that experience led you to deciding that that was going to be the path for you? So when I started UNC, I actually did not, I had not started Moda Honestly at the time. I started Moda Honestly in between, I believe, if I remember correctly. Moda Honestly was started around mid-2018 and I started UNC that early 2018. So no, I had no plans to go into entrepreneurship. I started Moda Honestly almost as a community. So we were literally just I was talking about women and work and the need to effectively combine work and family and how our society was not built for two working families or two partners, if you will, in a, in a, in a family or in the home. And th- there's always this need, right, for one person to stay home, especially when you're starting to have kids and you really want the best for the kids, right? So you, you know, one partner sort of needs to stay home, especially in a society where there's no safety net for for children or or for elderly parents. So there was just a lot of different things happening at that time. And I wanted to just have the conversation. And so that was how I honestly started. So I didn't go in, you know, into the into MBA thinking I was going to start an MBA, um, sorry, an entrepreneurship journey. But I think that some of the tools and the confidence that came out of the MBA program definitely helped and supported everything that I went on to build for MH. Yeah. And I would love to hear you share more a little bit about that. Uh, Were there any classes or experiences that you took or were a part of in your time in business school that either gave you a little bit of extra confidence or gave you more tools that enabled you to eventually say, you know what, I, I really want to go all in and and build this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, UNC MBA was an amazing opportunity. I met a lot of great friends. We traveled the world together. We came up with various ideas together. I think one class that definitely stood out was an entrepreneurship class that I took. And I can't remember the name of the professor because he actually took a wonderful, a huge interest in what we were building. But I remember us coming into that entrepreneurship class and we were told to introduce our business because at the time, a few people had something that were nursing, whether it was an Instagram community or it was, you know, a platform or they were selling something. So a lot of the people in the class came with ideas and those that did not come up with ideas were ready and prepared to support other ideas. And I remember the professor saying, all right, well, everybody needs to come up with a very short one sentence description of what their company is about. And I just went in with my company, what honestly, and how we are a platform that is reimagining care at home and in the workplace. And it was like, whoa, like that is one of the most succinct description he's ever heard. And so the entire semester was about honing in into the business model. We used the business model canvas. We had, we did various pro formas. We put together a pitch deck. There was just a lot of things that I ne- I didn't really think about, right? Or I just had a community. I didn't really think about all of these different things. How, you know, how, how are we going to make money? Is there a subscription model here? 
And so every week we would meet as a group. So I had a group of other students that now basically gravitated towards my business. It was four of us and we would meet every week to talk about, you know, the business model and talk about the pitch deck, how we're going to make money. So we, we did that for, I think it was eight weeks. And by the end of eight weeks, we had a pitch deck. We had a pro forma. We had a business model. We had, you know, literally everything, a business plan. We had everything ready to go. And it was truly a wonderful experience, right? We, I mean, even though the business model is completely different today than what it was back then, it did force me to think about the different forces, right? The different market forces that I never thought about, the various, you know, business model that, you know, I never thought about, how to think about my competition, how to leverage partnership and existing frameworks, it, I mean, I literally walked out of that class thinking, wow, I can run a business now, right? Like this is really and truly a business. And so that was, that was the springboard that we needed to really go out there confidently. And I will never forget, I actually took that pitch deck to an investor and they were ready to fund us. <laughs> we ended up not taking the money because we were already generating revenue by that time. But you know, again, really wonderful, great experience that I look back on now and feel feel very grateful for. Well, first and foremost, kudos to you for nailing that one sentence description, because even though it's one sentence, I know people, I have had experiences where that has taken forever to be able to nail. So the fact that you were able to do it right from the jump is pretty impressive. And what you're saying really aligns to some of the conversations I have with MBA students who often very much view business school in particular almost like a science lab, right? Where you get to try a bunch of things, run a bunch of experiments, see what is proven true or false, and then take those learnings to iterate or to do more experience, to turn them into actual things that you can go and build. But it sounds like in particular in that class, it, it was really that lab experience that allowed you uh, to really lean into something you had already, your, your baby that you had already built and to potentially take it even to the, the next level. Absolutely. I mean, it was a, again, a really wonderful. I think I came out of that, <laughs> we came out of that um, class and every single person in my group were like, can we invest? I think even the professor. That's amazing. Yeah. He sent me an email. I think we still spoke, I think a year or two after, and he's introduced a lot of people to me. Everyone just really took interest in what we were building. And even up until now, a lot of some of our clients actually are from my class. <laughs> so yeah, um, it just goes to show, you know, the power of putting something out there and having the right, right place, right for it to land. Yeah. And just w one more follow up on that, because I, I, you just said it, but it does, uh, I do appreciate, uh, particularly now for being an entrepreneur myself, the willingness to put it out there, as you said it is not always easy to, to do that, right? And in addition to that, there are times when, I, I don't know what your experience was like, but at least for me, where I didn't necessarily associate with being an entrepreneur, so it was out of sight, out of mind. And so I would never have even perhaps even considered it because it just, it wasn't in my, uh, it wasn't in my radar. I didn't have the vernacular, I didn't have the language. And so it took encouragement from others to kind of, say like, Hey, like you, you actually are, you, or you have the potential to be. 
And so being able to take something that you put a lot of effort and work and that you care deeply about and to bring it into the world and to want to build it, knowing that it could go really well, also not, it takes a little bit of courage, right? Absolutely. I mean, the way I see things is, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, whether it goes somewhere or it doesn't. I think it's really just enjoying the journey. As long as my, my not start is, oh, what, are we, what are we solving for? And as long as we're solving for a problem that, and, it's, you know, and we have a solution that needs to be out there in the world, then, you know, we're just going to keep going. And, you know, if we fail, then we fail forward, right? We've learned from it, you know, and we have done that, right? Even at Mother Honestly, right now, we've basically pivoted from a community into a fintech company. And, and that's because we've learned a lot of different things, right? We've learned from our community. We've learned from our partners. We've learned from the country, the society. We've learned from employers. And so we've been able to take all of this learnings and, and use that to inform the next product that we want to put out in the world. So yeah, I agree with you. I think it's understanding. I think the core is really solving for a problem, right? Optimizing for a solution versus... So our end goal is not about whether we succeed or not. Our end goal is that we actually have elevated care at home and in the workplace. And when I say succeed... I'm, I'm talking about our end goal is not about money. It's about success for women, for caregivers, for parents at home and in the workplace. And so that has always been our North Star and it's really propelled us. Are we making money? Yes. But how we measure impact, how we measure growth is really and truly through the lens of parents and caregivers that we are solving for. Well, we've, we've danced around it a little bit, but would love to have you share a little bit about what is Mother Honestly, what does it do, and how does it help your the, their customers that you serve? Absolutely. So Mother Honestly, today we've pivoted from a community. It, it used to be that we were a community of supporting women at home and in the workplace, and now we've pivoted to all employees. And we provide a work-life benefit called the Work-Life Wallet. And the goal of the Work-Life Wallet is to empower employees to access the support that they need to thrive at home and in the workplace. It used to be that employers would pay billions of dollars to employee assistance programs and various benefits, and they would be making guesses, right, about what they think their employees need. So they could come up with child care or elder care or, or pet care and various other things, right? But the problem there is that only 6% of employees are utilizing these benefits, according to the Society of Human Resource Management. And so if we have women, so this was the how we <laughs> decided we were going to solve the problem, right? If we have women, 5.8 million women who were forced out of the workforce in 2020, leaving the workforce because they weren't supported or they felt they weren't supported. And we have employees that are parents and caregivers that are not able to access benefits because it's insanely difficult to access or because it's not so clear what these benefits are, then what are we actually doing, right? What are, why are employees, employers wasting this money on benefits that nobody's using? So we did a little bit more digging. And we, what we found was that employees just don't have the time, right? They don't have the time to sift through 20 different benefits and figure it out on their own because they have other things, right? They have kids. I have four kids. I don't have the time to sit down and go through some intranet that, is, that belongs in the 18th century, 
really. I don't know if you've seen a lot of company intranets. <laughs> I have seen a few in the last three weeks and I'm like, whoa, we have Gen Z's trying to manipulate this. This is not going to work, right? So what we've done is basically flip all, flip everything on its head and say, okay, instead of employers guessing what they think the employees need, why don't we give the employees the power to choose? So let's cut all the SMIDU men. Let's give the money directly to the employees through a work-life wallet. What they do is they come in onto our platform, they connect their you know, bank account or debit card, similar to a PayPal or Venmo account, right, where you connect your bank account, and go about their day. And we basically flag transactions that look like work-life-related expenses. So if you go to, I'm just making it up, handy.com, and you're like, you know what, Blessing, what I really need for my mental health, I don't know about you, but what I need for my mental health is a housekeeper, right? While I'm walking from home, let somebody else be cleaning and getting my trash out of my house, and you spend $50. Well, you don't need to do anything because we will flag that $50. We will ask you if this is a work-life-related expenses, or a work-life related, but if you want this to be reimbursed as a work-life related expenses, and if you say yes, literally that's it. You get your $50 right into your bank account within seconds. So that is what a work-life wallet is. We also have various other things within the image platform, whether that is one-on-one work-life navigation, because employees need that support in order to get through challenges at work and even at home. So there's so many other things. We have articles, podcasts, various things to support employees in the workplace. So that is what we do now is we provide the work-life wallet. We provide resources and support for employees to navigate various work-life challenges. Hey there, it's Al. And thanks so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show and I hope you're enjoying it too. Unfortunately, it's still pretty hard to spread the word on podcasts. And that's where I would really love your help. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, or simply share it on social media or send it to a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. That was a great summary, and I'd be curious to know more about how that transition came about from being a community to support parents, in particular mothers, to now becoming a fintech company, how did that process go or what really tipped you off to make you realize that there was a really important problem to solve and chance for you to add value in that in that way? Absolutely. So one of the things, of course, that you learn in business school, whether it's in marketing or entrepreneurship class, is you always need to collect the voice of the customer. So I think one of the things that really did set us apart from a lot of the communities Community is huge, right? So many communities spring up on on Facebook, on WhatsApp, various places, right? But when we started, what has always informed MH is how do we how do we understand what our customers actually need? So we kept trying to just solve for problems that came about within the modern honesty community. So moms will come to us and say, you know, my husband is not doing enough. I'm the only person cooking, cleaning, running errands. We would come up with a workshop, um, okay, bring your partner, or we recommend a book, or we provide them with a coach to help them figure that out. So we had various things that we did back then to really support problems as they arose. But when the pandemic hit and millions of women were leaving the workforce, we started asking questions. Okay, well, why are you? Why do we have more women leaving than men? What's going on? 
And even when the pandemic sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say purse, but when we started seeing people come back into the workforce, we were still missing a lot of women, right? So we started asking our community, what exactly is going on here? Doesn't your employer provide support? Don't you have your partner supporting you at home? What exactly is the issue? And what we found was that employers were actually supporting. So they said, my employer provides bright horizons or my employer provides, provides me with a stipend, you know, but I need to like send all this reimbursements and this different forms and it's just cumbersome. I don't have the time. So we found out that women were being supported and men, but so many people were not utilizing their benefits. So we started collecting more data. We did a survey about 5,000 people within our community. And eventually we found the answer because 93% of the respondents to our survey were not utilizing their employee assistance programs. So we went to work and said, okay, what is the best way for us to do this, right? Do we go out? We started out with, okay, we're just going to have a debit card, right? We will have a debit card. Everybody gets a debit card through your company. You swipe it when you go to the stores or when you need to pay for childcare. And what we found when we went back to, uh, you know, those who took our survey was, no, 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 no. We don't want a debit card. We already have way too much. We always forget our FSA cards. And even when we don't forget it, we have to finagle our bags in the middle of three kids having a meltdown in search of the second card, <laughs> right? Half of the people who responded said, we don't want a card because it's cumbersome. So that was how we came up with our technology, which basically automatically links to your account and automatically filters for work life related expenses. People didn't want to turn in receipts either. I had a I had a co I had a friend who works at Meta and Meta provides three thousand dollars in gym membership every year. And so it collected all of his receipts. This was last year. And right towards the end of the year he had COVID and was hospitalized. And by the time he got back, guess what? It's now the end of whatever reimbursement season. So he couldn't turn in his receipts. So now it was out of $3,000 in, in, in cash, right? So there were so many stories around reimbursement or people staying on the phone for two to three hours with a benefit provider, trying to even access the benefit that they have. And what we also found, to be honest with you, Al, was, look, people are just tired of these benefits that are no longer, that are not inclusive, right? Because what we found was I may not need childcare, but maybe I needed gender affirming care. Maybe I needed medical travel. Maybe I needed, I want to adopt. I may have other needs and now I don't feel represented or I don't feel seen or heard because my company only provides childcare. Well, give me that money and I'm going to use it towards <laughs> gender affirming care, right? I, th I think what you're outlining there is a great case in terms of being able to listen to the customers and really truly understand some of the pains and finding ways to uniquely solve around them. And in this case, in particular, using technology, which is exactly what they teach you to do. And in addition to that, because you are using technology and because of the way that you've structured the, the product, I presume you also have learned quite a bit in terms of the types of things that people are interested in using or that they need to use in order to make work life work for them. And so I'd be curious to know what are some of the trends or, or things that you're seeing in terms of 
I don't know, the, the types of things that people need in order to you know, balance uh, their life or the types of purchases that they're, they're really looking for, either that are interesting or that maybe even surprise you. Absolutely. So what we found is that what the work-life wallet is now able to do is unlock an array of care for a distributed workforce, right? Think about it. A lot of us are working remotely. You may be able to access Bright Horizons from where you are, and I'm not. So it doesn't make sense that my company offers Bright Horizon. So that's one thing that we definitely found to be true for our solution. We've seen people use it for therapy. We've seen people use it to buy baby formula. We've seen people use it for pet care. We've seen people use it for online courses, for executive coaching. People actually use it for house cleaning, for conferences, for tuition assistance, fertility. When we when Medi- when Roe v. Wade was overturned and companies came out and said, Woo, we're gonna offer a thousand dollars to our employees for medical travel. Guess what? They now had to go in search of benefit providers for that. Right? When if you had just had a work-life wallet, you could now proactively just say, we have $1,000 in your wallet for medical travel. If when you indicate that you need medical travel, you will automatically get $1,000. So what we found is for the first time, companies can now proactively right, prevent a crisis from being a crisis that they have to worry about. Right. Because usually, you know, companies would when there's when we had COVID. Right. Companies paid heavily for that. Right. Because it was out of their control. But that is also what happens when when my babysitter doesn't show up. Right. And I I now need another babysitter. But if I know that I have a wallet and I can proactively. Right. Get another babysitter, pay for that babysitter through my work life wallet. I, I would have prevented a disruption in my work day. So those are some of the things we've seen people use it for. People have used it for lunch, for grocery <laughs> grocery delivery, right? Instead of me going all the way to Walmart or wherever, I could just pay for Instacart membership and have my groceries delivered to me. What I appreciate about what you've been able to build is that in addition to knowing that you started this community originally because you felt some of the challenges and pains of managing work and life, when you were a mother, you also have a direct window into some of the challenges that many people face in the workplace today. On top of that, as I think it's been said before, the past couple of years have been incredibly challenging for everyone, perhaps maybe differently for certain types of people, but it's certainly been challenging to say the least. And there's been a lot of change during that time. I'm curious to know just from the work you do and just what you see in terms of the conversations that you have. What, if anything, have you learned that maybe you didn't expect or that surprised you? Or what have you seen in terms of even how has the workplace changed? Because I just, it just, it, it strikes me, they always say like people vote with their feet, right? And so the fact that you see directly what people are spending on, it, you're getting a glimpse into the everyday nitty gritty lives of how people work each day. And so I would just be curious to know how that has influenced your own thinking about the workplace. I think, look, I think what we are doing is special. What we're doing is redesigning the workplace. We're never going back to the workplace pre-pandemic. It didn't work for everyone. It only worked for a few white men, actually a lot of white men, and a few of us, right? And so how do we redesign a workplace that works for everyone? And a workplace where everyone not only belongs, but everyone truly matters. 
every single time somebody uses their wallet or somebody gets reimbursed, they know that it matters. They know that their company cares about them. They know that they they understand exactly where their company is reducing their pain point. So whether that's child care or elder care or pet care, now you know exactly what your company is actually helping you with. And it's transparent and it's there on a daily basis and everybody has access to this. It's not just for team. It's also for Shaniqua. It's also for Blessing. It's also for Al. It's for various people of different backgrounds. So that is one thing that I have learned is that a lot of companies that want to work with us are companies that have realized that one, we have to redefine what the new workplace is going to look like. And the only way the future of work is actually going to work is when we make it easier for everyone to see themselves in the, in, the, in the workplace, to feel like they belong in the workplace and to feel like they matter. So it's not even enough to only belong. You also sort of need to feel like you matter in the workplace, right? So those are some of the things that keeps me excited and I'm hopeful for. In terms of how the wallet has been, what we've seen, what we've seen is people actually truly need help. 69% of Americans are living from paycheck to paycheck. So when we say that, can we support an employee with a work-life wallet? We're not saying just give them an extra cash. We're saying give them a lifeline. Give them an opportunity to catch unexpected care costs. Most people don't use their wallet for standard childcare. They probably already pay for childcare. They more than likely already have a system in place for their aging parents. But guess what? They more than likely need support with keeping their house clean, with getting another degree with extra baby formula because it's so expensive in this country. They probably need help with more diapers or healthier diaper options for their kids. So people have different needs and companies that recognize that are truly the ones that we've been so excited to work with. What you said there really resonates with me in terms of being able to create a workplace that works for more people and that enables them to not only belong, but to also feel seen. And what is what I'd love to maybe hear from you is just in the process of building this company and on this journey to entrepreneurship and being able to experience all this, could you talk about maybe some of the, the highs and the lows of, of how it's been in terms of really trying to blaze a trail and to do something that has not necessarily been done or perhaps been done to the degree that it needs to be done? Absolutely. I think, of course, it's hard to build any kind of business, right? There's always various challenges, whether it's funding or it's even having a solution that works, you know, building the right technology, marketing, partnerships. There's so many different things that we've run up against. But what I find, a few examples, right? I have four kids, so it's usually really hard. I I find that I am experiencing exactly what I'm trying to solve for. When I was in the workplace as an employee and having to manage my own kids and manage my work, and oh, by the way, I was leading various employee resource groups. And so having to navigate all of that while building this business was really high opening for me. So for me, I think that has been the challenge is combining my own caregiver responsibility with my own role as a founder and as a leader really been tough. Uh, but what I what has what has been helpful is the support, right? And the support comes in various forms. It comes from my partner. It comes from having a other support systems, right? That can 
help lighten the load so that it doesn't all fall on you. And what I also found is it's basically leaving what I preach, right? So a lot of time when we, when women come to me, they're like, oh my God, bless and how do I how do I do X, Y, and Z and still do my MBA and still go for this promotion and still, so I basically sit down and I say, okay, what can we cut? What can we optimize for? What can we, where are you going to get your support? Is your partner helping? What does his career look like? What does his career look like? Do you have some support from your your parents, your family, your network? And then do you have the budget for house source outsourcing, right? So there were so many things that I recommended to people that I then brought in to support myself as, as a founder. I think, you know, there's, there's still gaps, right? I wish that I had more time for things like therapy, or I wish I had more time. I quite frankly do not have a lot of time for that yet, but it's something that I think all founders should have because it's stressful and it's isolating, especially as a solo founder to, to run a business all by yourself. So it went from four of us in business school talking about the business model and putting everything on paper to, okay, blessing, it's all yours. Go figure it out on your own. And so I find myself right now and then craving some some of my old classmates to to help me here. Well, blessing Adesian, thank you so much for joining today, uh, for sharing your story about building MH and what you're doing to create a better and more equal workplace for more people. I know you're a podcast host, but if people want to learn more about MH or check out your podcast, where should they go and where can they find you? So please visit us at mhatwork.com. So that's where you learn more about the work-life wallet and all the amazing things that we're doing to elevate care in the workplace. We are also at motherhonestly.com if you want to see more content, articles, podcasts, information, and resources that will help you in your personal life and journey. We are on Instagram. We are on LinkedIn at motherhonestlymh. So please find us. And I am also on various platforms as Blessing. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.